It's Monday, August the 10th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Belarusians on the streets and a high-profile Hong Kong arrest. First, the world in brief. Demonstrators clashed with police across Belarus after the government's exit polls declared that Alexander Lukashenko had won presidential elections in a landslide. Mr Lukashenko has ruled the country for 26 years, but opponents reckon he rigs the elections. His opponent Svetlana Tikhonovska entered the race after her husband, an anti-government blogger who planned to run, was jailed by the government. Jimmy Lai, a media tycoon, was arrested for colluding with foreign forces under Hong Kong's harsh new national security law. Mr Lai, who owns Apple Daily, is a prominent pro-democracy campaigner. Other executives from the newspaper were also taken into custody. Over the weekend, the Trump administration slapped sanctions on several Hong Kong officials, including Carrie Lam, the territory's chief executive. Australia recorded 100 coronavirus deaths, its deadliest day yet. However, the caseload in Victoria State, the centre of the country's epidemic, looks to be on a downward path. America, meanwhile, passed 5 million recorded COVID-19 infections, while Brazil passed its own grim milestone of 3 million cases. Worries about a second spike in COVID-19 infections in Europe grew as Britain announced the highest number of new positive tests recorded on a single day since June. The news came after British regulators recalled up to 750,000 unused COVID-19 testing kits made by Randox, a Northern Irish biotech firm, after finding that they failed to meet technical standards. With Congress still far from striking a deal over a further stimulus bill, President Donald Trump took matters into his own hands. He signed an executive order that purports to extend a moratorium on evictions, defer student loan payments and authorise $400 a week in additional unemployment benefits. State governments would have to contribute $100 per payment, which many cannot afford. Protests rocked Beirut, the capital of Lebanon, amid public fury over an ammonium nitrate explosion in the city's port last week that killed at least 158 people and wounded more than 6,000. Some of the demonstrators called for an uprising to overthrow the country's government. Lebanon's top Maronite Christian patriarch called for the cabinet to resign. And Saudi Aramco announced that it will still pay out $75 billion in dividends to its shareholders this year, even as profits in the quarter to the end of June tumbled by 73% year-on-year. Saudi Arabia's state oil giant, which became the world's most valuable listed company when it was floated in December, was recently overtaken in value by Apple, an American tech firm. And now, here's today's agenda. Baptism of Fire Saudi Aramco's Earnings The Saudi oil giant yesterday announced that profits fell by 73% year-on-year in its first second-quarter earnings report as a listed company. When the state-backed oil behemoth listed a portion of its shares in December, executives knew 2020 would be an interesting year. That has proved an understatement. In March, Saudi Arabia and Russia embarked on a price war, just as COVID-19 undermined demand for oil. Saudi Arabia has since worked to stabilise crude prices, agreeing with the organisation of the petroleum exporting countries, Russia and other allies to limit output. Aramco still plans to pay out dividends of $75 billion this year in spite of the turbulence. But the company is under strain. Plans to buy a $15 billion stake in the petrochemicals business of Reliance, an Indian conglomerate, have been delayed. Much depends on how quickly oil demand recovers. And OPEC is beginning to pump more crude even as COVID-19 continues to spread. 
Heroes and Villains Repression in Zimbabwe Forgive Zimbabweans for not celebrating Heroes Day today. The annual commemoration of those who died fighting against white rule comes at a time of great suffering. The value of the local currency has plummeted against the American dollar. Inflation is running at more than 700%. The World Food Programme reckons that 60% of Zimbabweans will soon struggle to get enough to eat. The ruling party, ZANU-PF, blames COVID-19. The truth is that it has run the country into the ground. After toppling Robert Mugabe in a coup in late 2017, Emerson Manangagwa and his backers in the military have behaved much as he did, manipulating the currency and responding to unrest with repression. In recent weeks, journalists and opposition figures have been arrested and allegedly tortured. But as the economy spirals out of control, how long can Mr Manangagwa hold on? The veteran of the independence wars may see himself as a hero. Zimbabweans disagree. Bad Romance Eyewear Firms Go to Court Today, Rotterdam's District Court will hear a case that Essilor Luxottica, a Franco-Italian maker of spectacles and owner of the Ray-Ban brand, has filed against Grand Vision, a Dutch rival it was planning to buy for 7.2 billion euros, 8.5 billion dollars. Essilor Luxottica went to court to get information from Grand Vision about how it managed the group that owns Pearl and Iwish, two retail chains during the COVID-19 lockdowns. It suspects the eyewear group might have broken promises in the takeover deal, which Grand Vision strongly denies. Most stores and laboratories of both groups were closed during the most stringent phase of the lockdowns. They both recently reported disappointing results, with Essilor Luxottica announcing a 29% fall in sales for the six months to the end of June year-on-year year, and Grand Vision a decline of 26%. For Grand Vision, this was a reason to go ahead with the merger. But for Essilor Luxottica, sluggish consumer demand now makes the deal look much less appetising. Causeway for Celebration The Singapore-Malaysia Border The road connecting Singapore with Malaysia, one of the world's busiest border crossings, reopens today. It has been closed since March, when the two countries pulled up their drawbridges in response to the pandemic. Normally, some 300,000 people zip across the Straits of Johor each day. At least 45,000 Malaysians work in Singapore. Immigration agents will see nothing like those numbers for a while yet. Travel is permitted for essential business and official purposes only. Daily commuting remains prohibited. Workers must remain in their host country for three months before they can return home. Even so, both countries hope the reopening will give them an economic boost. Last quarter, Singapore's economy shrank at an annualised rate of 41.2% compared with the previous quarter, pushing the city-state into recession for the first time since the global financial crisis. Infected Britain's High Streets Anyone clinging to hope for a V-shaped recovery from Britain's recession would be well advised to look at retail sales. According to the Office for National Statistics, by the end of June they had returned to roughly their pre-lockdown level. But even before COVID-19 hit, Britain's high streets were in a sorry state. Today the ONS will provide an update on the state of the country's bricks and mortar stores on the eve of the pandemic. Lockdown has accelerated many long-standing trends. Many Britons are switching to shopping online, hitting sales at high streets, retail parks and shopping malls. Internet sales now make up around one-third of total retail spending, up from a fifth pre-pandemic. Many restaurants in the casual dining sector have closed, margins had been squeezed even before the lockdown. Into, the country's largest operator of shopping centres, fell into insolvency in June. Future updates are likely to be catalogues of woe. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Herbert Hoover, who was born on this day in 1874. Older men declare war, but it is the youth that must fight and die. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.